What does a former BYU legend make of the performance against Notre Dame? What needs to improve as they get ready for Arkansas? Well, he's on staff, so let's ask Jan Jorgensen. We're also answering your questions on a Thursday edition of the show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Our title sponsor today on the show is our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has got you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, uh, just a quick reminder for you guys: we are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto around these parts is "Your Team Every Day," and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. And uh, based on the metrics I'm seeing, especially on YouTube this week, a lot of BYU fans are out on the Cougars right now. Uh, We have maybe had our least viewed week on YouTube in particular uh, since we got this going on the YouTube side of things, the video side of the podcast. And I I guess I can't blame uh, many of you out there because that was not a good performance for BYU. There's no doubt about that. But we are here, and thank you to all of you, the relatively few, the proud that have been joining us all week, and thank you for your support of the podcast as always our goal here simply stated is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room and always have a great time doing just that all right it is a Thursday I usually do what we call a mailbag edition of the show here answering your questions you guys are programming the show I do need to play a very fun interview a very enlightening interview I think in many ways with Jan Jorgensen I'm now a BYU analyst defensive analyst working with BYU's defensive ends and a guy that is obviously a cougar legend in his own right at one time was the Mountain West Conference all-time leader in sacks was just an absolute machine from his defensive end spot uh, at BYU. We're going to get to that here in just a moment, but I want to start off today's show talking about some of the questions you guys sent in, and there's some great ones that came in this this week. So thank you for your support of this. Let's start off with Bud at he's underscore B Todd saying it's not too late for a mailbag question. This came in later, uh, right before I record. It says, "Do you have any info on when the 2023 Big 12 schedule is going to be released? If not, would you prefer eight or nine conference games, and who would you want on the?" schedule in 2023 well but i can answer this it is going to be a nine game conference schedule we are actually fully expecting that new conference schedule to come out at some time this month i would assume in the relatively not too distant future it could be even today for all intents and purposes that that drops i would love to see byu get an opportunity to have either texas or oklahoma in provo or get an opportunity to play them before they leave the conference in fact i would actually be, love it if the big 12 said okay you guys are leaving here, you're going to play all the newbies. You're going to play UCF. You're going to play Cincinnati. You're going to play Houston. You're going to play BYU. And you're going to you're going to enjoy it. And I think that'd actually be a really fun thing. Do I think that ultimately is the way things will play out? No, but that's my, I guess, my overall uh, thing is I want to see one of those two, whether it's Texas or Oklahoma, playing a game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Now, Oklahoma has never played in Provo. Texas has on multiple occasions, so I guess Oklahoma has more of that novelty factor, but I, I just want to see BYU get an opportunity to play against those big dogs before they ultimately jump ship and head to the SEC and give BYU, obviously, an opportunity to step in and compete right away in the Big 12. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting that uh, 
non-conference schedule coming out anytime. Uh, according to what uh, it looks like, BYU's non-conference schedule has two home games next year, so that means that BYU will only have the four uh, home uh, games when it comes to the conference slate. They'll open up Big 12 play with five road games in Big 12 action, but that's not a big deal to me. I honestly think that BYU is just super excited. I am super excited to see BYU in the Big 12. I think a bevy of you out there, in fact, the vast majority of you, if not all of you, I would assume are huge fans of BYU being a part of the Big 12. Independence served its purpose for BYU for the past 12 seasons, and it paid off in the form of making it into the quote-unquote big time now as BYU makes the jump to the Power 5 ranks. So hopefully that answers your question, bud, and stay tuned. It should be coming out very, very soon. On to some other questions here. Nick Chadwick, a great question here. I know Tuiaki isn't going anywhere. I think uh, Nick has been one of those guys who's been very much uh, talking about Tuiaki potentially being moved. But he says, I sense the tipping point from Kalani. He got emotional during the post-game media session. I believe he's talking about after Notre Dame. I don't think he wants to, but he's seeing more and more that something needs to change. If we don't get three to four, three to four defensive linemen in the portal next year, heaven help us. Nick, going to your point, this relates back to the question about the Big 12, is BYU does need to upgrade the talent along their defensive front. It's stunning to me, and maybe it's uh, just bad luck, maybe it's overall scheme in terms of philosophy on recruiting, but the fact that a bunch of preferred walk-ons are either starters or key rotation pieces, and what I mean by that is first or second stringers for BYU, and their preferred walk-ons or just straight-up walk-ons into the program along that defensive front, that is just an absolutely mind-boggling statistic, and it's simply what it is. There are guys on there that are scholarship players, one of which, Caden Hawes, is a converted offensive lineman. So BYU, I think, has done... I don't know how to say this any kinder than uh, an abysmal job recruiting de- elite defensive line talent. Uh, is that is that kind enough? I, I, they've just not done the job that I would expect them to do. Elisa Tuiaki, Preston Hadley, they obviously have the, the key uh, positions there as both defensive tackles in the case of Coach Tuiaki and defensive ends in the case of uh, Preston Hadley coaching those positions. You'd like to see them upgrade the talent. But I... I just look at the recruiting classes BYU is bringing in. They're bringing in a guy from this past recruiting cycle who, Caden Chidester, fantastic basketball player, but he's barely played much football, and they believe he could be a very high-end defensive end for them? I, I don't know. I am hopeful that the guys that are the quote-unquote true defensive linemen they have recruited that are coming into this program really shine. John Henry Daly from Lone Peak High School, an elite pass rusher, was a fantastic player for Lone Peak up there in Alpine. I hope he translates into the next great pass rusher for BYU. I hope Logan Fano, who tore his ACL in spring ball and is out for this uh, part of of this, this season for all intents and purposes, I hope he gets back to full health and he can become the force off the edge that we all expected him to be this fall. Those those are the guys who are going to have to shine through to make up for the gambles BYU is making along this defensive front in the recruiting. It, I, I'm with you, Nick. They do need to hit the, the transfer portal. Tyler Manoa uh, recently announced he's going to enter the NCAA transfer portal from UCLA. Once upon a time, was a guy that BYU was recruiting heavily. Uh, there's some people out there who said he was a BYU commit. I don't recall if he ultimately ever was a verbal commit to the BYU football program, but you'd at least think that BYU would uh, give him a call and say, hey, what's your interest level in coming to Provo? See what uh, he's got to give and maybe he could be a part of this solution but the the, the recruiting philosophy along the defensive front similar to the recruiting philosophy or not the recruiting philosophy the defensive philosophy the scheme philosophy for BYU defensively it boggles my mind and I, I, I give up trying to explain it slash defend it because more and more I'm seeing the BYU is getting a little uh 
lackadaisical. Uh, it It seems like they're not necessarily fitting their run schemes in particular to what opposing teams are doing. And they may think that, hey, we're, we're going to do something outside the box here. Uh, one thing I can also add is that Ed Lamb has an outsized role in defensive philosophy for, uh, defensive philosophy for BYU. The hockey subs where they bring massive amounts of guys in and out of the lineup that cause the 10 men on the field, that's an Ed Lamb uh, thing that he has implemented for BYU's defense. So he has a very, very big role in the defensive philosophy in his own right, so I don't know. I, I I think any of you who have watched and or listened to this podcast for any length of time know that I've tried to uh, hold my tongue and tried to stay positive about the defensive philosophy, but it, it it's just it, it's not working. It's not working. And Nick talks about this since a tipping point from Kalani. Now, uh, I can tell you one thing about UCLA, going back to that example real quick. Uh, Chip Kelly is loyal to a fault to a lot of the guys who have been working for, with him for a long time. Jerry Azanaro was the former defensive coordinator for UCLA and has kind of been tied to the hip with uh, a guy like Chip Kelly for many, many years. Chip finally had to let his longtime friend Azanaro go and go with a new defensive philosophy, and suddenly UCLA ha- has figured things out. I'm not advocating for a change of BYU. I am not calling for a change at BYU. I'm just saying that sometimes the loyalty, it, it, it just it runs its course. That's all I got to say on that front. I didn't mean to hit my table there. All right. All right. On to our next question here. Mojo, our good friend over there in the sandbox, protecting our nation. Mojo, always thank you for your service, serving our country in the armed forces. Says, how big of a difference maker is KJ Jefferson? Will this be a completely different Arkansas team with him healthy? Uh, Mojo, in a word, Yes. KJ Jefferson, I have watched a, a lot of Arkansas film just on uh, on a whim. I didn't necessarily seek it out, but I've always enjoyed Arkansas playing football. And KJ Jefferson, he's an absolute load of 240 pounds, got a pretty good arm. More, more importantly, he's an absolute load to, to account for in the rushing game. And with him being healthy, you can fully expect that he'll be part of that rushing attack for Arkansas. They're going to come in here fully expecting to control the line of scrimmage, control the time of possession, and make life miserable for BYU on defense. And that goes back uh, to our other previous question of how good uh, can this defensive front be? Can the defensive philosophy match what Arkansas is going to bring to the table? I've got my fingers crossed. I sincerely hope that it can match it. And uh, man, I would love nothing more than uh, for it all to work out but only time will tell we got to kind of sit back and watch how things play out this week when it comes to BYU and uh, how the games are going to uh, how the game is going to go on Saturday against the Razorbacks all right ready to get to some more of your questions here in just a moment but first I need to get a word in on our friends over at bet online they are as you guys know are your number one source for the football betting information you need this season find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find in both college and NFL football and as always bet on means your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sport out there as well. It is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events beyond football, including Major League Baseball with the playoffs ongoing, MMA, boxing, golf, and even NBA hoops, which is coming very, very soon. The start of the NBA season is next Tuesday, folks. It's crazy to think it's coming that quickly, but head to bet online right now. That's betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more right now about their fantastic product. That's bet online where the game starts. 
All right, uh, time now. Uh, thank you, by the way. Thank you to all of you once again uh, for being our for, for making. Man, I make a butchery of this. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I've only done that I don't know how many hundreds of times, and I continue to screw it up. So thank you all the same for your support of the podcast as always. All right, uh, before we get to some other questions here on this mailbag edition of the show, I promised you a fantastic conversation that I had with BYU uh, now analyst Jan Jorgensen. From former defensive end, former graduate assistant, a guy that I fully expect, by the way, to end up as a full-time assistant coach on BYU staff at some point in not not too distant future. I'm not saying that people are going to be moved out to make room for him, but I think if people move on, Jan is a very, very likely candidate to be taking a full-time position as a position coach for BYU. Now, I had a chance to catch up with him after practice earlier on this week, and Jan and I go way back. I actually uh, remember covering him in the later stages of his playing career at BYU. BYU, but then also we had an opportunity to work together in the radio sphere before he went into football coaching. Uh, we started off talking about the Notre Dame game, and I, I simply asked him the question, what are your takeaways from the Notre Dame matchup? It was an opportunity lost. Um, it's, uh, I mean, credit to them. They're a good football team, but uh, so are we, you know, and I felt like if, uh, if we... A couple of things that we do better in that game, we we win. Like, I, and I feel like we should have. Like, it's a game that I think we let go, and so it's frustrating when that happens. And you just gotta, you have to do your best to learn from it and bounce back because there's, I mean, there's not a lot of time to dwell on it right now. So, but it's it's really frustrating to let one get away from you that you for one that you should have won. Now, you, you've been a player. You've been part of this where you, it's that week-to-week grind where you have to bounce back in a matter of days, really, getting ready for a game like this. How difficult can that be? Um, you know, I, for me, when I was a player, it wasn't hard. Like, because when you lose, it's like you just want to get back. You want to get the taste out of your mouth. Yeah, you want to go play again. And uh, for me, I'd go take it out on the scouts. Like, and it was that much motivation to get myself right and everybody else around me right. And so, uh, for me, it wasn't very hard. It was actually easier for me to bounce, to be focused on the next game after a loss than after a win. So, yeah, it wasn't too hard. Now, Arkansas is one of those teams that really likes to run the football. I think Greg Rebell tweeted out that outside of these service academies, they run the ball the absolute most. And you're working with the defensive ends. How critical is that Like that they that they hold the edge in a game like this? Um, uh, I I mean, the, the edge thing is like it's a scheme, right? Like, yeah, it's whoever is responsible for the edge, sure. it's important for them to hold it, <laughs> right? Um, so when it's our turn, yes, it's extremely important. So um, it kind of just it depends on the scheme. We're not always going to be edge guys in the in this whole thing, but uh, but it's just it's it's hugely important for everybody to do their job, right? Like in every defense, you have edge players, you have guys who you who you call, who you say can't ball can't get outside of you. And when you're that guy, you can't, you just can't let it happen. And that job is just as important as every other job on the field. How difficult can that position be, like being in that spot? Like you have to set this edge because it's a pretty thankless gig because you're, you're taking on multiple guys in certain circumstances. Yeah. It, I mean, it can be really hard. I, I think it becomes it becomes more difficult when guys try to do too much. Um, when you're focused on your job and knowing what you have to do and knowing that is your job, it's 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 not the easiest thing in the world, but you it, 
the guys who we put in charge of doing it can do it. When we get in trouble, it's when it's when guys try to do too much. Try to make a play outside of the yeah, outside of what of what their job is. And the when I talk to my guys and when I was a player, it's just I tell them all the time: your first responsibility is take care of your job. It's not to necessarily it's to make the play if the play comes there, but that your job is not necessarily to make the play. Your your job is to take care of your job, and so if you take care of your job and then go make the play, great, right? Yeah. If you take care of your job, play comes to you and you make the play, great. But if you take care of your job, go somewhere else. You're not the one that's that's responsible. It's the football is a especially defense is a game of trust. Uh, the scheme, everything is accounted for in the scheme. You have to trust everybody else around you that if you take care of your job, they will take care of theirs. Ten other guys doing their gig, right? Exactly. You'll hear coaches with the saying, like, do your one 11. Yeah, yeah. 11 guys, 11 jobs. You got to do your one. Yeah. Now, you've been here as a player. You've been here as an analyst slash GA before this. What excites you about being back at Lavelle Edwards Stadium these days? Um, when you leave this level and you go down and I coached the last four years at junior college man you just you're that much more grateful for being here and being at this stage the I mean just stepping into that atmosphere is what I live for man like I'm I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie and based if anybody knows me and the things that I do it's makes sense and so I live and die for those atmospheres. I, I think it's the greatest thing in the freaking world. So uh, I just, yeah, it doesn't take much to get me excited for it. You're a guy from Helper. How cool is it? have got like Mangelson that's from Juab High School. You have John Nelson from Salem. You've got a Tyler Batty from Pace. How cool is it to have these hometown guys that are from your neck of the woods, so to say, breaking out like that? I love seeing it, and I love coaching guys like that just because I think when you come from – those areas you come with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder right like i knew me growing up in carbon county and i would have given anything to compete with the guys who are up north and getting all the all the love when i was in high school you know and they were getting it all because they were up here right and i just didn't have the chance to compete against them so you come up into these areas and and you know you get into college you have a chip on your shoulder and they they work really really hard and that's what i love when i have the, have players who work hard and listen and want to be coached and that's those guys and I think a, it's kind of a byproduct of being you know small town hard working guy raised that way and I, it's a lot of fun to coach those guys. There you go Jan Jorgensen huge thank you to him I always loved catching up with Janimal himself he's an absolutely fantastic human being on top of being a, I think a top rate uh, coach you heard him talk about the fact that he just there's nothing like being back at Lavelle Edwards State in the level BYU plays at and trust me he's been to a lot of small junior colleges he went to one I think it was the Orange Coast Community College down there in Orange County California he worked at Snow College he's he's done his time and I for one cannot wait to see the day that he is a full-time member in terms of being an assistant coach and potentially a coordinator down the road for BYU football. I think he has got that high of a ceiling, if not being a head coach candidate one day for the Cougars. Jan is just a phenomenal, phenomenal dude and thank you to him for taking the time. And It is fun to hear him talk about like these guys. Uh, you talk about a Blake Mangelson, a John Nelson, a uh, Tyler Batty. They're not from the hotbeds of high school talent in this state. Payson High School, Salem Hills, 
and Juab High School. Those are the three schools that account for those three gentlemen. Uh, Juab is probably by far the most successful of the bunch, and they play in the 2A ranks, maybe the 3A ranks now, but it's not high-level football. This is not guys coming from Lone Peak. This is not guys coming from Bingham. This is not guys coming from... E- you can go down the cavalcade list, Sky Ridge, uh, American Fork. There are guys coming from those schools, obviously, for BYU, but also, you can find talent in other programs, and BYU sure has unearthed some uh, gems, some diamonds in the rough with those guys. So once again, big ups to uh, Jan for taking the time. You heard him talk about the fact he cannot wait. He could not wait to get back on the field as a player and get back out there to prove themselves. I think this BYU squad, they are very, very intent on proving that they are much better than they've shown against Oregon and Notre Dame this year and hopefully showing it as they take on Arkansas on Saturday afternoon. All right, we're going to round out today's show answering as many more of the questions as I possibly can in the mailbag. Before we do that, though, let's get a word in on our friends over at Intercap Lending. There's a reason that no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap Lending. The reason? Intercap gets deals done, my friends. They feature a quick and simple process. They're closing loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And although fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process for you, the consumer. And that's what uh, Locked On's personal loan officer over at Intercap Lending, Steve Carter, has been delivering to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far since 2018. And he'd love nothing more than to help you guys out. Even if it's just as simple as you have one question on what interest rates are for today, Steve would love to help you guys out with that. He's got a direct line he's provided for us for you guys to reach out to him. uh, 385-800-8528. That is 385-800-8528. We all know the interest rates are very much on the rise. Interest rates are on the rise. Inflation is going wild. But Intercap will do nothing more than help you guys out no matter what situation you find yourselves in. Trying to buy a new home, build a new home, refinance, get some money out uh, equity-wise. No matter what it is, Steve and his team can help you guys out. You can reach out anytime uh, by uh, emailing him at scarter at intercaplending.com or once again calling him at his direct line 385-800-8528. If you'd like us to broker that deal, we'd love nothing more than to help you guys out with that. You can email us lockedonbyu at gmail.com. We'd love to get you in touch with Steve. And the best part is when you mention Jay Catch and Locked On Cougars, you get a corporate discount from our friends over at Intercap Lending. So reach out anytime you got questions, no matter how simple they might be. Intercap is there for you guys. Steve Carter's number, 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number, 190-465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. All right, let's get to as many more questions as we possibly can before we round out today's show. Uh, next one up coming in here is our good friend Big Uncle Pooh at Big Uncle Pooh on Twitter says, how many rushing yards do we need to hold Arkansas to on Saturday to be considered good? Now, that's an interesting question, Pooh, because BYU is 100th against the run right now. It's not been uh, a, a great season for BYU through the first six games in rush defense. And we all know that. It's glaring. You see it every single game. I think in this game, 150 yards or under is the mark I would set as a good performance for BYU. I know that seems like quite a few yards, but relative to some of the other performances this year, 150 yards would actually be a pretty marked improvement for BYU in the rush defense game. And I think it actually lend, lend itself to BYU potentially winning that game and winning, winning it uh, much easier than I anticipate it being to win that football game if you can hold Arkansas to 150 yards rushing or under in this one. Up next, our good friend, the Aggie fan himself, Dan of the Dead at USU, the right blue. He says, uh, which member of the Big 12 will be at the top CFP contender in the next four years before the playoff expands to 12? Well, Dan, here's the thing. There was some uh, talk out there uh, the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, saying that there is a lot of momentum to get the playoff in, in place by 2024. So it may only be two more years. But which member of the Big 12 that I'd have to put my money on? I'd put it on Oklahoma State. 
I think Mike Gundy has done a very, very good job uh, building in, uh, building up Oklahoma State into a persistent, consistent winner. And with uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma and Texas leaving, not Oklahoma State, Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC, I think that Oklahoma State is very much poised to kind of uh, step into the void there and be one of the leading voices, if not the leading voice in the Big 12 moving forward. If you want other one other team to keep an eye on, Baylor. So long as Dave Aranda is there, I think they'll be a very consistent team. It uh, may not be spectacular, but they're probably one other one to keep an eye on in that mix. All right, and then uh, final one here, Jeff Henorn. Actually, uh, this relates to another question we're going to get to that came in via email. But Jeff asked this. He's our good friend down there in Atlanta. Jeff, thank you so much for your support, as always. He said, what are the likelihoods that stars like Jaron Hall and Max Tooley come back next year? Uh, Jeff, uh, my initial reaction is that Max Tooley, I could see him coming back pretty easily for BYU. I think he needs to have more than just one stellar season uh, before he makes the jump to the NFL ranks, but obviously if he feels like he needs to capitalize on it, being a guy who has served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I could see him potentially making the jump this year. Jaron, I think it's all but like all, all but done that he's leaving BYU after this year. It, it's nothing against BYU. It's nothing against Jaron. It's just, I think, a simple fact of the matter is that he uh, is older. He's got a lot of plaudits coming his way, and he has been absolutely sensational sans the one game against Notre Dame throwing the football. And that's what NFL teams have wanted to see from him, is the ability to attack all angles of the field, and that's what he's been able to do. So, uh, if you were, the, if those are the two guys that you're asking me, I think Max Tooley, I would lean towards him coming back. Jaron, I think he's got all but two feet out the door. I really do think that. And that uh, brings us to Thomas Beard's question. Uh, send this in via email. So, hi Jake, I got a question for your mailbag session of the podcast. I know there's still a half Half a season left, but I do think it's fair to say this season has not quite gone the way everyone hoped for. Given this and the fact that Jaron Hall is an undersized, injury-prone, older QB prospect, do you think there's any chance he comes back uh, next year? He says, hear me out, Jake. I think it is safe to say an NFL team won't spend a first or second round pick on Jaron just given his injuries and size. Let me stop there for a minute. Injuries will be a concern. He's probably a mid-round uh, prospect if you want to factor in injuries. Now, the size thing. I have stood next to Jaron. I've talked to Jaron. He is a bigger athlete than Zach Wilson was. He may not be an inch or uh, he may be about an inch shorter than Zach, but in terms of overall size, Jaron Hall is a thicker, more well put together athlete than Zach Wilson is. Hopefully that answers that question for you guys. I don't think the size is going to be a problem. That's just me. I was thinking if the next six games are anything like the last, at best, Hall gets drafted in the fourth round, but he could drop given his red flags. Why not return to Provo and lead BYU into the Big 12? He is already considered old, and if he does really well next year, I think he would drastically improve his draft stock, not to mention make him a legend in Provo. Also with the NIL, I'm sure Hall is making good money, possibly close to what he'd be making as a 4th to 7th round pick in the NFL. says, I love Jaron. He's probably my favorite BYU player of the last couple of years. I want him to succeed not just at BYU but with his future. I can't help but feel like this would be a win-win if he returns. I also think that the 2024 crop of QBs will be nowhere near as deep as the 2023 class. Let me know what you think. Thanks, a T. Elliott Beard. Alright, uh, now... I get what you're saying, and uh, the selfish BYU fan and everybody would love to see Jaron Hall back next year because BYU, I think in some ways they're up against it, uh, making a transition into the Big 12 with guys like Jaron Hall potentially leaving after this season. I think guys like Gunnar Romney, Malik Moore, there's a lot of guys that are poised to leave. Uh, Harris, the chance along the offensive line. Uh, Clark Barrington, I would assume, is going to move on. I have not talked to him about that. I have not even broached the subject with him. I'm not reporting anything on that because he comes on the show weekly, but uh, I think that he could be moving on. I think Blake Freeland could be moving. There's a lot of bodies that could be leaving BYU after this season. 
I think that Jaron Hall, he is ready to get his professional career underway, no matter where he is taken in the draft. And there's been a lot of buzz out there about him being a mid-round pick. And if that's the case, there have been mid-round picks who have made it big. Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. Russell Wilson, a third-round pick. There are guys who are not taken in the first or second round that make it big in the NFL. I know the odds run against that, but... I I just don't see a scenario where Jaron comes back, barring him getting injured. And uh, knock on wood, pray to whatever uh, deity you want. We do not want to see that if you're if you're a BYU fan. All right, uh, final question here. I think we're gonna get through all of them here before we round out. Uh, Jordan Smith, J- Jake, I love your podcast. Is it possible the late starts are because of the coaching? Uh, me, the late starts, I think he's being slow starts, are because of the coaching scheme and the coach's failure to accurately assess and prepare for their opponents. They better play. They play better after making adjustments at half. Notre Dame has struggled on rush defense, but we didn't establish a run until the second half. I get trying to come out and throw it downfield early, but I would prefer that we establish the offensive rhythm. Thanks, Jordan. Now, Jordan, that's an interesting question. I I think that there's something to that. Uh, The slow starts, obviously, are a huge topic of conversation. Uh, I talked with Clark Barrington about it earlier this week. I've talked with the coaches at practice this week. They know the slow starts are an absolutely just a crippling thing that BYU is dealing with right now and they have to get it fixed will it be fixed this week against Arkansas I don't know that I can say that because I I don't know necessarily that they have identified the thing or things that are like the key uh pointers that need to be fixed uh, to get get it going. I'd love nothing more than to see them come out and steamroll Arkansas right from the get-go and see like, and I'd love Kalani Satake, the players, the coaches, to walk up there after the game and be like, you like that? Take that for data. The old uh, adage from that NBA coach, what was his name? Um, uh Man, it's going to come to me after I finish recording this podcast. But Oh, David Fisdell. There you go. David Fisdell. Take that for data. I could see that type of a thing, and I'd absolutely laugh if that was the way it was going to come. But the, the the issue is, I think the BYU is fully intent on fixing the slow starts, but it's going to take everybody, and I mean everybody, coaches, players, trainers, uh, medical staff, administrators, everybody that has an impact on the BYU football program, they have to identify what is causing them to have a slow start. Have they played some stellar teams this year? Absolutely. I think Oregon is very, very good. I think Baylor's good. I think that Notre Dame's a decent squad. I think the Arkansas could be a very, very good team despite them being a three, riding a three-game losing streak into this matchup. They have played some very good teams this year, and those teams have made life miserable for BYU. They do need to get started faster. Uh, I, it may be part that coaches are misassessing uh, what the ultimate scheme should be going into the game, whether it's Elisa Tuiaki on the defensive side or Aaron Roderick on the offensive side, along with Fessy Satake helping him with the offense as the passing game coordinator. Are they uh, are they thinking one thing and then a team comes out and throws a curveball at them? That's what happened against Oregon. They talked about it and they said as much. They do make good halftime adjustments, but you hope at some point... Uh, this week would be fantastic that they nail their scheme fit and they go into this game and they just get rolling and they just it, it's off to the races at that point. That'd be nothing better in my mind to have that play out that way. But I just don't know that it's necessarily going to come together in one week. I think this may take a multi-week effort to get that there, and at that point, the schedule softens up significantly, and that, that that's the tough part about this. Why in the world could this not be the hot start that BYU had against USF? Why could they not carry that over uh, into games like Oregon? Why could they not do that against Notre Dame? 
It's a baffling mystery to me. And Kalani Satake said that there are multiple factors, but I'm not going to get into all of them when he's talking with the media this week. It's the typical Kalani Satake thing. I can grill him on every question y'all want me to grill him on. I can only give you the answers that he happens to give us. He has the right to answer the questions however he sees fit, and he is not going to yield information or give up information that he does not have to uh, under the current circumstances being what they are. So I'd like to see BYU get a a fast start because trust me, I'm as sick of watching BYU sputter and uh, have eight minutes of time of possession in the first half of a game as anybody out there. It's, it's abysmal and it's, it's not fun. It's, it's not fun to cover. Uh, I think the views this week on my, on YouTube and also my downloads on uh, the podcast feeds, they're, they go hand in hand with how bad BYU played in that first half against Notre Dame. I think there's BYU fans who have legitimately, despite them being four and two on the season, have checked out on this squad. I'm dead serious about that. I think they have checked out and they want, don't want to hear me blather on about the Cougars. And hey, if that's if that's your prerogative. I, I, I it's your God given right to do that. And I, I appreciate all of you who support this venture. I truly do. But I also get why you might be checked out on the squad right now because in some ways it may feel like more of the same from what BYU's done. The crazy thing is though, folks, this is a team that's won a lot of football games the last two years, and they're on their way to having I think a pretty good season once again this year. I think the the floor for this program right now still is an eight and four season this year. And that's nothing to sniff at. Uh, seven and five, six and six. Okay, that would be something that I'd be a little worried about. But I think eight and four, nine and three, very much still in play for BYU here. But you got a big one against Arkansas on Saturday. So that's, I think, where we will leave it today. I meant to get to Midnight Madness tonight. If you're uh, going to be around Provo and you want to spend a late night with the men's and women's basketball programs, Midnight Madness is taking part at uh, taking place Excuse me, at the Marriott Center. Doors open at 11 o'clock down there in Provo. The event begins at 11.30. It's going to uh, be an event that primarily is intended for students but includes player and coaching staff introductions along with contests on the court. I can tell you this much, doing morning radio that I do, I will not be in a attendance. Don't tell the coaches. I, I just It's not going to work out with my schedule. So I'd like to sleep a little bit and not die. But uh, nonetheless, if you want to do that, get out there, support the men's and women's basketball programs, and we'll obviously get you guys ready for more of Arkansas tomorrow. Uh, hoping to have John Neighbors from the Locked On Razorbacks podcast on for a crossover edition with us tomorrow. Still working on that. He's actually traveling out here for the game, so uh, some logistical issues to get, to get sorted out and hoping that we get those sorted out. Love to have him on the show to talk about uh, the Razorbacks ahead of that matchup but regardless we'll get you ready we'll have a game day primer for you guys get you apprised of everything you need to know about the hogs in this matchup against the cougars and should be a fun one so that's going to do it for us on this edition of locked on cougars thank you for making us your first listen of the day always appreciate you guys checking out the show make sure you make your second listen our friends over the locked on big 12 podcast josh neighbors is in a fantastic job Keep me up to date on everything going on in the Big 12. All the storylines, games, uh, coaches, players, all that stuff to note. It's all available on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one, or also on YouTube. That'll do it for us. That'll do it for myself. Thank you, as always, for joining us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.